Hi, everyone. I'm Grayson Martin. My parents are Ben and Sarah, and I'm a seventh grader at Ronald Benson Junior High. Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58 in the CSB translation. Let's hear God's word. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and then for 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 the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory, where death is your sting. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, Cross Point Community Church. It's such a joy and a pleasure to, to be here this morning. And uh, what a wonderful passage we have in front of us this morning. Ho- filled with hope filled with life, excitement for, for what is to come. This morning, the title's message is The Decisive Defeat of Death. The Decisive Defeat of Death. There aren't a lot of certainties in life, but what can be certain is death, taxes, and preachers using alliteration. And let's face it, we, we don't like to talk, talk about death very much. It's a topic that is mostly reserved for funerals. Death is rude. Death is a bully. It's often unexpected, and even when we can't anticipate it, death leaves us in a state of longing for a better world, that it shouldn't be this way. John Owen said, Satan's greatest success is in making people think that they have plenty of time before they die to consider their eternal welfare. We might not want to think about it, for every, but for every single one of us, our clock is ticking. Death is coming at any point. And so we'd be foolish to just pretend that it doesn't exist. But there is good news. The clock for death is also ticking. It will not last forever. In fact, it has been defeated and one day decisively so. Chapter 15 in 1 Corinthians is is the culminating chapter of this entire letter to the church in Corinth. Those of you who call this your church home know that in chapter 15, you've been walking through the glories of the resurrection of Christ, where Paul has said, hey, hundreds of people have seen the resurrected Jesus. Go talk to them. You don't believe me. You don't like what I have to say. Go check with them. It's true. It's a historical fact. And there are implications for this resurrection that even when you die, you're like a seed going into the ground. You'll raise up on the last day like a beautiful flower, tree, or fruit. And then he comes to the question of, well, what if Jesus comes and I don't have, I haven't died? What if I haven't had the chance to, you know, become a glorious flower or tree or fruit? 
what happens then? And that is the, what he enters into at the end of this chapter. In verse 50, he says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. So in this passage, we see three different things. We see the great transformation, the great triumph, and the great therefore. We keep the alliteration going. And so here's the great transformation. Behold, I tell you a mystery, a mystery, not something that we cannot know, but a mystery that is new information, newly to be revealed. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. What is that going to be like? He says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And so there's something about our bodies. 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the, resurrect, the resurrected body. Heaven's not going to just be a bunch of spirits floating around. We will have bodies, but they're going to be different. There's something about this body that is going to change I don't know exactly what that's going to be like. You know, it, is it going to be like Bruce Wayne? We, we get the Batman suit where we're indestructible, incorruptible. What will it be like on the last day? Will, will Jesus just drop a bunch of suits from the sky and, and we'll be entered into this new body? Some of the best uh, ideas that we can get is looking at Jesus when Jesus rose from the dead. And what was he like? He was a literal body. And people recognized him eventually. You know, sometimes it took a little while, but then they realized this, this really is Jesus. And he ate food. He ate fish, an, an actual body. But yet he could, he could go through rooms that, that had locked doors. I don't know if we'll be able to do that. I hope so. It, it seems pretty cool. But a resurrected body, something new, something that is indestructible, incorruptible, imperishable, that will not decay. And when will this happen? When will this happen? Verse 52, in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. And it's verses like this, it's, this is why Anna and I played trumpet in high school. I mean, come on. That God is going to use the trumpet to call out the dead to rise on the last day? He, he's not using clarinets, guys. <laughs> the, the clarinet's cool, uh, but not as cool as the trumpet. <laughs> but God uses the trumpet, and, and this is seen through, throughout the Bible. The trumpet is a signal of the appearance of God. In Exodus 19, 16, Moses is going out going up the mountain of Mount Sinai to meet with God. The people surround the mount, trembling that a man is going to meet with God, and God uses a trumpet to signal that I'm coming. I'm coming. And we see this in the New Testament, that this event that is going to take place, we see further context of what's going to happen. In Matthew chapter 24, speaks of the coming of the Son of Man. The Son of Man will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they shall gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of 
from one end of heaven to another. First Thessalonians chapter 4 speaks of this event. The sound of the trumpet. The dead will rise. We will be changed. We will be lifted up to meet God in the air. In Revelation chapter 11 verse 15 says, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. This is the last trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of God has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And so this is it. This is it. The dead will be raised. Those who are here will be transformed. Christ is returning. Whether we're dead or alive, if we're in Christ, we will experience the great transformation. At the last trumpet, just like the dead, we who are here will exchange the temporal the imperfect for the eternal and the perfect. And so Paul is using this to answer the question, who, what's going to happen to those who are here when Jesus comes? And let's be honest, my guess is that you didn't really have that question coming this morning. That wasn't on the top of your mind. But I think there's something here that we should ask ourselves a question. There's something about humanity, about anthropology about our bodies that is spoken about in this text for us to think about. And when you look in the mirror, what do you see? When you look in the mirror, is there anything about your body that you don't like? And maybe a better question, is there anything about your body that God doesn't like? The psalmist writes that we are fearfully, wonderfully made that he knits us together in our mother's womb. This God does not make mistakes. Sure, we are, we are called to be stewards of our bodies, to, to take care of them, to not let them get out of control. But at the end of the day, this body that, that I have, that you have, this body is going to be raised on the last day. It's going to be you. Jesus did not rise from the dead a foot taller or with a different eye color or skin color. It's, this, is, this is who he is. This is who you are. And so I want to challenge you to think of yourself. Think of your body in the way that God sees you. There's something beautiful, majestic about the body. And to be confident in that who God made you to be. To see yourself how God sees you. And so this, this is the, the great transformation. And then we enter into the great triumph. The great triumph. Verse 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? This vivid, powerful imagery, death being swallowed up in victory. Like, what picture does that create for you? Death being swallowed up. The best that I could think of is in The Lord of the Rings, when Gollum is falling over the edge of the cliff, and down he goes into the lava, being swallowed up forever. And interestingly, 
Revelation chapter 20 speaks of the devil being thrown into the lake of fire. This, this imagery of death being swallowed up, of asking death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Comes from passages in the Old Testament. Isaiah 25 verse 8 says that he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Hosea 13 verse 14 says, I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol, the place of the dead. I shall redeem them from death. O death, where are your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? And and we sing this song, we say these words at funerals because we are people who do not mourn without hope. We do not mourn without hope. But yet, if we're honest, if you've experienced the death of a loved one, death stings. It leaves us broken. It leaves us with, with heartache. My guess is that when a loved one died, you didn't taunt death. Where's your sting, death? Because you felt it. You felt it. It hurts. It feels unnatural. The world must go on, but you're left in a state of what happened? What is this? What's next? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And the apparent victories of Satan can give us hope. The apparent victories of Satan in the Garden of Eden, the death of Christ, it seemed that death had won, that Satan had won. But in fact, they were reversed on the, cro- on the cross and vindicated in the resurrection of Christ. How is this possible? How is it possible that death is swallowed up, that we can say, where is your victory? Where is your sting? It's only in Christ. Verse 56, 57. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But, but, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he received death's stinger, rendering death ultimately powerless. Oh, death, where's your sting? Your sting has been placed upon my Savior. God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The decisive defeat of death is a certainty. Cross point. The decisive defeat of death is a certainty because Jesus has already defeated death. I want to show a picture on the screen, one of the best pictures perhaps you'll ever see. The 85 Bears made an appearance recently. If you're not familiar, in 1985, the Chicago Bears created a music song dance called the Super Bowl Shuffle. And what some people don't realize that this was filmed two months before the Super Bowl. And the Bears had never won a Super Bowl. (laughs) So people probably were thinking, well, you're crazy. You're out here creating this Super Bowl shuffle that 
you've never even won before, and yet you're so confident that this event, this championship, this victory is going to take place? You see where I'm going? Though they were looking forward to a future event, to them it was as if the victory had already been won. Yes, Christians, we can look forward to the decisive defeat of death because through, the, through Christ, the victory has already been won. Jesus defeated death once, and at the last trumpet, death will be swallowed up. Death will be thrown into the lake of fire forever to never be seen again. And so when we rise or when we're transformed in that moment, in that moment, we can taunt death. Ha! Death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? And, and because of that, death has been defeated forever. Then the great therefore. The great transformation, the great triumph, the great therefore. Verse 58, therefore, because of all of this, because of the resurrection of Christ, because of our resurrection, because of the transformation, because of the decisive victory over death. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Do you have this kind of confidence? This kind of certainty, this kind of assurance of what is to happen one day. The word immovable here is the same that Paul uses in Colossians 1, 23, talking about not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Even amidst the craziness of this world, the, the new ideas that come about, the new things that people say and do, we are called to be immovable in our hope. And always abounding in the work of the Lord. And so I want to challenge you to, to, to dwell on this reality. Because I know the resurrection is true, because I know how the story ends, how does that affect the in-between? God changed my life one day. He will come again. How is the in-between different because of that? I have just a few. We are called to be steady, not tossed every, with every wave of, of doctrine, every wave of our culture. We are to have purpose. Verse 32 in chapter 15 speaks of, well, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Let's squeeze out every drop of pleasure and fulfillment that we can today. But, but that's not true. We, we have something more to live for. There is something greater that is happening. We're, we're to make sacrifices. Well, why do people make sacrifices or even put themselves at risk. Why do, why do people move to other parts of the world to, to, to share the gospel in places that are uncomfortable, that could be risky, that definitely leave aside the pleasures of, of Western living? Why would you do that? Well, because 
on the last day, those who are in Christ, the dead will be raised. And there are billions, billions of people in the world who are not living in Christ, who do not know the hope of the gospel, who do not know the hope of the resurrection. And so, yeah, it makes sense in light of that to risk, to lay aside the comforts of my life, to risk my life for the sake of the gospel. Those of you who are parents, praying with your children, reading the Bible with them, teaching them to follow his ways, and sometimes it clicks, and I'm guessing most times it doesn't. And in that, God sees you. He sees you, and to know and to be comforted that your labor is not in vain. And when you speak with a friend or a coworker or a family member, you share the gospel, the good news of Jesus and what he has done in your life, and you get this glazed look. Or worse, you get this rejection. Keep going. Your, your labor is not in vain. We're called to be faithful and then leave the results up to God. And maybe there's some here who don't know the answer to this question. Has God defeated death for you? Has Jesus defeated death for you? In John chapter 14, just before Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, who believes in me, shall never die. See, we talk about the Super Bowl shuffle. It's only true if you're on the team. So ask yourself, whose team am I on? Am I on team me or team Jesus? Team me or team Jesus? The great transformation, the great triumph, and the great resurrection of the dead is for only those who are on team Jesus. And so join the team. What are you waiting for? Our sin keeps us from this holy, righteous God, and Jesus has come. There's nothing we can do about it, but Jesus has come so that we might be reconciled to God and so that then we can experience the joys of the resurrection ourselves. Join Team Jesus today if you haven't done so. And Cross Point Community Church, hear this. In light of the resurrection of Jesus, in light of your resurrection in him, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor, all your good works, even the ones that no one sees, when you go visit the person who's, who's lonely, who needs encouraged, when you give in a generous way, when you share the gospel with a friend or family member, when you make sacrifices on God's behalf, know that your labor is not in vain. We know why we're here, and we know how the story ends. Rejoice, rejoice in your heart that death has been defeated, and one day at the last trumpet, there will be a great transformation, a great triumph, and the decisive defeat of death forever. Would you pray with me? Oh, God. 
we come before you and we worship you. That you did not leave us in our sins and left us to try to figure this life out on our own. But while we were yet sinners, you came and you died for us. You died for me. You died for every person under the sound of my voice. And you've given us hope. You've given us life. You've given us peace. You've given us a confidence, a steady confidence to live in this life. Even when death comes, even when the valley hits, we can be confident in knowing how the story ends. God, draw near to us, encourage our hearts, challenge our hearts, encourage our hearts. We worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so for us today, Father, for those who have put our faith and trust in your Son, may we be reminded that we already have the victory won in you. That death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Yes, for a short time. We may experience that, Lord, but the very first picture we showed, Lord, reminds us that you are a God who dearly loves his children, and you delight in us, and you are with us. And so, Lord, may we walk out of this place this morning confident, joyous, rejoicing that the victory has been won in Christ Jesus. And for those, Lord, who may be here that have not put their faith and trust in you, I pray that they would hear your spirit tugging at their hearts and their minds, that they would surrender. They would stop trying to do it themselves, as Sarah shared with us this morning, Lord. Even as followers of Jesus, those times when we want to take that back and we want to tell you what to do and we want to determine our future. But Lord, you call us to surrender and faithfulness and obedience and love. You call us, Lord, to death. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And may we be that kind of church. Change us, Lord. Help us to be faithful, just lovers of you, intense lovers of you, that we would find you precious, that you would not just be useful to us, but that you would be precious to us, that you would be our treasure. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.